Okay. Well, since our band is not cooperating with us today, we're going to go straight into the message uh, right now. So take your Bibles. Let's just turn this down. Thank you, Paul, for coming through and sharing with us. And uh, you, you, I'm not sure what month it was our prayer focus. Can anyone remember? Was it last? It was this last month, man. <laughs> Thank you. So in the bulletin is uh, Paul Richard's uh, most recent newsletter. Um, we've been sharing that over the last month. Please look into that. Pray over it and continue to support that. And it's our pleasure to continue to support you as well. So thank you, Paul. All right, guys. Um, well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. It should just fall over to Ephesians chapter 4 by now. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. And what a great, what a great insight we're going to get today uh, from God's Word. It's such a healthy perspective. It's going to do us so much good to take this perspective in to our hearts moving forward as a family. Now, up to Ephesians chapter 4, we have been enamored by the graces of God, the grace propositions, the grace truths, the merits, uh, not our merits, but the grace merits that have been given to us. Chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, mountains and mountains of God's grace. Right, and now Paul Swift, he changes now, he swings, and he says, how do we now live in light of this reality? How do we walk? And we looked at this walk, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. We outlaid that walk, its attitudes, its actions, its motives, its end result. We looked at that. And now we come, now Paul's going to shift it a bit, and he's going to talk about the gifts that God has given this new body. Now remember, last week we imagined us all holding hands, and trying to walk together as one body, not letting go of the peace. Whether we were falling on the front, whether we were doing nothing in the middle, this whole entity is trying to get from A to B, always conscious to hold on to the bond of peace, this, this entity. It's a peculiar body, this. It's a peculiar walk. But holding on to the bond of peace and the spirit of unity, and doing this together, that is life is life living worthy of the calling. That has the significance, that has the weight to pull the graces we have received, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Not living in this unity, not holding hands with one another, uh, regardless of where they are with the Lord, walking outside that, unattached, uninvolved, disinterested, that's not going to pull the weight. That's not going to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. But in this partnership, in this family, in this entity, accommodating one another with humility, gentleness, and patience, that is a significant walk. That is a significant walk. And, friends, <laughs> we have been given some stuff, more graces, to enable this entity to walk. More graces. Are you ready? If we hadn't received enough, what more could we receive? Right? So now we pick up from verse 7 of chapter 4. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. 
This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And just so far, may God bless the reading of his word to us today. There is a perspective that has continually got Paul distracted. He can't let it go. And the perspective is, now, and again, he's just told, he's just written to the Ephesian church, and he's telling us that Christ wants to give you something. Right? That's what we read in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Now, I want to know what it is. What is it that he has given? What is that grace? You're with me. But he holds out. He holds out on it. He just like holds the gift to the side because he's distracted by something. What is he distracted? Or should I say, who is he distracted by? And so he says, this Christ that is ascended, who has descended. He can't get over the ascended, victorious, sovereign, great Jesus Christ. And, and that is a, a mood he has carried right through the book of Ephesians. And it would do us, you personally, it would do us corporately very well if we too were less focused on the stuff and more focused on the giver of the stuff. Amen? It would do our hearts well. It would do our spirits well. In fact, it would do humanity well, is where I land with the message. What you have been given by God, physically or spiritually, what you have as a spiritual gift, whatever graces have been afforded you and I, personally or corporately, that is a means to another end. And that end is that this ascended, victorious, sovereign Jesus Christ is making all things full in Himself. Every square kilometer, every square meter, every square inch will have the fullness of Christ. That is the end goal. Amen? Amen. That's the end goal. Your stuff, your gifts, your graces, our gifts, our stuff, our graces, personally and corporately, are not an end in itself. It's a means to that end, making all things full in Christ. Okay. So, this is where Paul is. And this is what he's speaking of. And this is what we must take to heart to see this. Okay. So, let's break it down. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Something has been given and something significant has been given to each one of us. And it's grace. Not that saving grace. That's a different kind of grace. We have been saved in that grace. We've elaborated on that grace. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is another grace. Another grace. A grace that does something. 
It's going to enable. And so, friends, I mean, what do we do outside grace? Nothing. Everything is grace. You were dead and now alive. How come? Grace. You're now moving forward in God. How come? Grace. You are strengthened. You have wisdom. You have abilities. You have a purpose and a path. How come? Grace. For grace. This is our God. This is our King. This is our risen Savior, ascended Savior, Jesus Christ. And more grace has been afforded us. Unmerited favor that is given in gift form that enables you to be what you ought to be and to do what you ought to do. To whom was it given? To each one of us grace has been given. And this is significant. To each one of us. There is not a uniformity that's being... I mean, there's a contrast here. We're all to walk together. We are one family, one corporate, one new man, one new body. Yes, we are that. But to each one, grace has been given. There is a uniqueness, a peculiarity in you for this oneness. It doesn't all just get dissolved into one mishmash where you lose your identity and you lose your personality and we all become the same. It's not like that. To each one, grace has been given. And so your grace is going to be proportioned differently to the other person's grace. In fact, it's all been measured before. It's been measured by Christ. And that measurement differs for each person. Each person. But this grace has been measured and it's been given as a gift to each one of us. Well, Pastor, what is that? So what? That means, friends, you, having taken hold of this gospel, having been enamored by the graces of chapters 1, 2, and 3, having now been called forward to live a life worthy of the calling, right? Friends, you have been given something else that contributes to this entity. You have been given something else that it contributes to this entity's unity, contributes to this entity's bond of peace, contributes to the spirit of unity, contributes to the end goal of making all things full in Christ. You have been given something. Did you not know that? Did you forget? Thank God for the book of Ephesians. Let's open our mind. You have been afforded grace individually that's been measured by Christ to, to get that job done. Each and every one of us who are in Christ, in this grace and part of this body. This is not a spectatorship. This is not something you just belong to and just watch from the side. This is not something you can just say, oh, I like that. This is something that involves you and you have been afforded a grace to contribute, to be involved, to participate, to engage, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's worship. And we need to shepherd our heart to this truth and acknowledge that. Yes. And it's to that end that God will hold us to account. There will be no one saying, but I didn't have anything. 
You have been afforded. You have been given a grace upon grace, and it's been measured accordingly. There are no favorites, but there are definitely no spectators either. Now, on one hand, the body always changes. Paul, you said 11 years, 12 years. It's not the same church 10 years ago as it is today. It's not the same church. Families have moved. People have died. So we're not, I mean, expendable. And, and God is sovereign. The church keeps moving forward. There was ABC before 2010. And there'll be ABC after 2052. God willing. The church will keep moving forward. But each and every one of you, when that family does move, when that person does die, they leave a big hole. They leave a big hole because there was a unique contribution to that unity, that bond of peace, and the momentum to making all things full in Christ. And each and every one of you have been afforded a gift to contribute to that end. It may be the same gift, but in a different portion. It might be a different person doing the same thing, but it'll be a little bit different. You with me? It's good to take this home. It's good to have this reminder. But to each one of us, grace has been given to what standard? It says, as Christ apportioned it. Maybe your Bible says, measured. As Christ apportioned According to... Something that was done first before it was given to you. Something that was done and what was done before that gift of grace was given to you, Christ measured it. Take note. Who measured it? Christ. Who's that? The ascended, sovereign, victorious one. That one who has all authority under his feet. He measured it. What a perspective. He measured it. And gave it to you. There is no room at all for envy. There is no room at all for comparing one another to each other and being discontent. No matter what you have been given. Who measured it? Christ measured it. Take that to heart. As you involve yourself in this entity, this peculiar entity, it is... (laughs) Imagine how they must have felt. New Jews and new Gentiles all trying to get along and get something done. And here we are. New people, new faces, new colors. New personalities, new ethnicities all trying to get along and get something done. Guess what we've been given? We've been resourced and resourced wonderfully because that one measured each one's contribution to this entity. And to getting this done. There is no room for complaint. There is no room for envy. No room for pride. Francis is going to take over from now on. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And we need this view because, look, today's view is, I mean, parents, we feel this, right? When we want to give a gift to someone, Who's on our mind? The person we're giving a gift to. What does he think? What does she think? How is she or he going to feel if I give him that gift? Right? That's not how God is thinking. He doesn't think like that. 
he measures according to himself. According to himself. You know, it's fair. Everyone gets the same. Hey, parents? We know it. Everyone get you get an iPod, you get an iPod, you get an iPod. There, no fighting. All got the same. Jesus doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. If it's not everyone the same, it's not fair. Jesus doesn't work like that. And and look, that's the world we've been brought up in since we were small. So, but friends, that's not God's world. God has measured and given you a gift. Take note of where that gift comes from and who did the measuring. No room for envy, no room for complaining, no room for doing nothing. And we need to shepherd our heart to this. He's not influenced by other people's measurements. He's not influenced. He, didn't, he doesn't miscalculate. He doesn't mismeasure. He doesn't shortchange. He is sovereign over the gifts that he has given. Are we good? Okay. Very significant verse for us. And I trust that that would motivate and encourage and see the beauty of what God has done. But to each one of us, hallelujah, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Not the pastor. Not some spiritual gift checklist. Christ did that. Now, I would want to know what gift, and I would like want to go into there. But he, he now goes on verse 8, he says, This is why when he ascended on high, he took many captives. I want to know, what, what's that about? And he gave gifts to his people. What's that all about? But now he, he goes on a tangent now and talks about this ascending and descending one. Why? Because he's captivated by this one. I mean, he's, he's always been captivated by this victorious king. Let's, let's get the mood again from where Paul is coming from. Chapter 1, verse 10. He says, To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Get how big that deal is. All things in heaven and earth under Christ. Christ. That is lofty. That is very high thinking. Okay? Same chapter, verse 20. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. That is high and that is lofty. Then verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Friends, that is the one we worship. That is the one we pray to. That is the one we serve. Amen? It is that one. High and lofty. And get this. Chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What? Who could get close to the king yesterday? Any one of you? You couldn't get close to that man yesterday? 
Look what this king has done. He's put us with him, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Okay. So that's the mood coming through again in chapter 4. He's distracted by it. And now he, his, his mind goes to Psalm, as you'll see in your, in your Bible, Psalm 68. Psalm 68. I won't sit here long, but hear this now. Because this is where Paul's mind is. He's in Psalm 68 when he's thinking about this one that's ascended, victorious, and sovereign. This one, it's like mountains, right? Yeah, it's like mountains. And there's a mountain made reference of in Psalm 68, verse 15. Psalm 68, verse 15. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain. Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord Himself will dwell forever? So it's like these mountains are a little bit jealous about the mountain that God is choosing to make Mount Zion. Okay? God is going to ascend Mount Zion. What kind of God's going to do this? Well, verse 17. The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into His sanctuary. Oh, there was another mountain. Mount Sinai. That was a big mountain. But that doesn't compare to Mount Zion. That's coming. When, he, when you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. So Paul goes back to this theme of ascending. Here we have Mount Sinai, and greater to that, Mount Zion. But guess who's higher than Mount Zion? You've got Christ, the ascended one, where? In the heavens. In the heavens. So he draws on this theme of, of ascending and victory. This is the scope. This is the scale of our king. This is the trajectory. And guess what this king does? He doesn't take gifts. He does what? He gives gifts. That one ascended in the heavens. Gives gifts. are completely different. Your gifts, friend, are not from a garage and a workbench. From someone tinkling around in a garage. Your gifts are from that one. Higher than Mount Zion. Higher than Mount Sinai. With chariots of thousands and thousands of thousands. That one is who you have received this grace from and who is giving you grace every day and gifting you portions every day to walk in unity, keep the bond of peace, be humble, be gentle, be patient, and live a life worthy of the calling you have received. One God, one faith, one spirit, one baptism, one Lord of all, through all, and in all. That one. Friends, we are well stocked. To live well. Amen? We are well stocked. We have no excuse not to bring any integrity to the name of this church. We have no excuse. Jesus Christ, that one, has afforded us everything we need to get this done. Even in our most bad days. Even our most weakest circumstances. With whatever the challenge is. 
no matter our brokenness. None of that can eclipse the graces we've been afforded, chapters 1, 2, and 3. None of that can eclipse the graces we've afforded with the gifts we've received. None of that can take that away. Amen? So you come and you sing every Sunday. You come and you pray every Sunday. You come and give every Sunday. You come and love every Sunday. You get here. And you do whatever else you have to do in the name of Jesus. You do it. You do it. And you be it. Because you have this one. This one. Okay, Paul. Let's get back to the gifts now. Oh, what's my gift? So now he, he goes on a tangent about this ascended one. And now he wants to like just educate them quickly about this ascended one. This is the one that ascended. Well, he descended. That, that one. That one became a man. He descended to become a man. And worse than that, he descended on a, on a cross. He died. And he, he descended even further than that. He died and was buried. That one ascended. That one ascended. Friends, that's our treasure. It may sound simple and sound like, okay, well, what's the big deal? Think about it. What is our treasure? Or who is our treasure? Who is our super thing? Not me. And not your gift. The super thing is that one who is ascended, descended. Hallelujah. That one who is ascended, descended in human form, descended onto a cross, descended into the grave, and rose again. Hallelujah. That's the super one. That's the super thing. I'm so distracted by that. I'm so absorbed by that. Who cares about the gift? That one. That's also Philippians 2, verse 5 to 10. So, so what, Pastor? Okay, just think on this. I think it's a very helpful perspective as we navigate as an entity together and try and find out what you do, what your passion is, what your likes are and your dislikes and how it's going to work, where you're going to fit in, how are we going to contribute to this entity's unity and bond of peace as we display the gospel to the community and working forward, let's not forget where this all comes from. It comes from this one. This ascended one. No good you checking out a list of spiritual gifts, figuring out where you belong, ticking the to-do list. Okay, I can fix a door. I can fix a window. I can give this. I can do that. I can get practically involved. And you're not distracted. You're not worshipping. You're not in awe of this one that's ascended. Then I don't want anything you have to offer. Because whatever you bring, is not, if it's not connected to this worship, to this distraction, it's not going to work. They are connected. They are connected. So we want people to get involved. And we want people to do stuff. We want people to give it, to serve it, to love it, to share it, to pray. And to hold hands. But friends, all of that is done looking at the Ascended One. Amen? In awe of the Ascended One. Worshipping the Ascended One. Completely distracted by that Super One. That He descended and ascended. Why is this so good for us? Because this little device here. All the hashtags... I listed some that your youth 
are being told every day. Here's some of them. The answer is within. Hashtag. It is not. The answer is outside yourself. Here's another one. Hashtag follow your heart. You do not follow your heart. There's a much greater purpose. Hashtag live your truth. No. Live God's truth. Hashtag authenticity. You create your destiny. No. Hashtag that one is my identity. That one is my purpose. Amen? That's why this perspective on this king is so healthy. And friends, it's more than healthy. Because I, I bet you a life consumed with itself is a miserable life. A life consumed trying to create its own identity, its own purpose, its own likes and dislikes is very selfish and isolated and broken and terrible. And no one will want to be around that person. And in no way will that person contribute by any productive means to the unity of anything. Never mind the church. He won't contribute to the unity of the family. He won't contribute to the unity of the workplace or the school place or anything. Because that's not human. Humans were formed to worship that one. <laughs> Humans were formed to look outside themselves and to be distracted by that one and to live a life worthy of that calling. And by living outside yourself to that one, you become more human. Now you're contributing. Psalm 84 says, God is my son and my shield. Amen? Not Instagram. God is my son and my shield. That's my life. That's my defense. He bestows honor and favor. Not the next contract, not the next client, not the next relationship, not the next party, not even the next mark you get on a test. He bestows honor and favor. And no good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Amen? Paul said to Timothy, Godliness, let me get it straight, this is great gain. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. There is great gain in godliness and contentment. Because we brought nothing into this life and we can't take anything out of this life. David would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So in the meantime, with this perspective... We go, as a body, we work together. I guess what God has done, He's descended even more. He descends every day and He gives you gifts. He gives us gifts. And I close with two pictures. Let's picture two lounges. In one lounge, you've got a dad or a mom. And the gifts are out. And the siblings are running riot. Some have opened their gifts. One has left the room already. The other one's crying because he didn't get that what that other sibling got. And the other lounge, there's a mother or a father, and there's still gifts lying on the floor. Some open, partial open, maybe nothing opened. The kids are all over the dad. 
Which one is unity? Which one? The one where they're distracted by the dad. Not, not the other one. Distracted by the gifts and the stuff. So friends, let us shepherd our hearts. It will do you well. It will do us a major advantage. If we never, never allow anything to eclipse this ascended one in heaven, King Jesus. His worth, his value, his status, who he is, his promises, his character, his mission, his purpose, his call in your life. Let nothing blemish that. He gets all the attention all the time. Worship the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. And that will be a great advantage to you spiritually, to your humanity, and to others. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for revealing to us a clear path for living. And thank you for not just showing us a way to live. You come and walk with us. You've equipped us with enough resource to live that path for living. And Father, I would pray there would not be one person here this morning that would have this escape them, that they would buy into the lies and the deception of culture and the enemy who'd say life is found in yourself, your preferences, Lord God, thank you for opening our eyes to a greater reality. That greater reality is your glory, and that glory is life. Lord, I pray that as you arrest our hearts and our minds, that you would help us defeat all that distraction. Help us defeat the temptations. Help us to defeat the sin that so easily entangles this calling. Help us to defeat the disunity. Help us to defeat the diversity. Help us to defeat the isolation. Help us to defeat the, the, the preferences and the prejudices. Father God, thank you for the graces afforded to us, measured by yourself. And I pray, Lord God, you would find in this body a movement, a momentum, a unity, a bond that has great strides going forward, declaring the praises of you and exhibiting the power and the character of God Almighty. Lord Jesus, thank you for your graces. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to try out this last song. Okay. But uh, thank you, friends. Um,